Audio. I'm not my climbing. I am like a distinct human being that loves to climb. And so that takes a bit of that pressure off and so that I can start to enjoy the experience a bit more. Hey y'all, I'm Ryan Devlin and welcome to the Struggle Climbing Show, where I talk with elite climbers about their struggles and breakthroughs in training, nutrition, tactics, and mental game, and also what they're passionate about beyond the fight with gravity. I'm really happy you guys are here. Thank you for joining us today as we chalk up for a chat with the super strong and super thoughtful Matt Fultz. Now, unless you've been living under a boulder or um, perhaps, I guess, especially if you've been living under a boulder, you know who Matt Foltz is, and you also know that he's one of the strongest and most accomplished boulderers in the world. This guy has topped multiple V16s, Grand Illusion, Creature from the Black Lagoon, Hypnotized Minds, and Sleepwalker. What? Which means this guy officially has more V points in just those four climbs than I have in total. Like, ever. And what is perhaps more impressive? then how hard Matt pulls is how hard he tries, how dedicated he is to his craft. He knows how to project, and he has a ton of insight on the subject and so many more. And speaking of insight, Matt has a coaching business called OTG Strength, where alongside his wife Haley, they create custom training and nutrition plans for climbers who are looking to level up. This convo is just packed with useful beta. Whether you're trying hard on V1 or V double digits, let's go. So a little spoiler alert, in this interview, Matt talks about the physical and also especially the mental toll that finger injuries have taken on him. And he also shares a nutrition tip that's been, in his words, a game changer. And that is taking supercharged collagen by PhysiVantage every day to keep his fingers strong and healthy. And also speed recovery after things like a tweak. Y'all, supercharged collagen is used daily by dozens of professional climbers, as well as thousands of regular climbers like you and me. I love it. You guys know that I love it. And I have definitely seen the results. I simply mix a scoop into my morning caffeine or I shake it up before a workout and boom, I am getting that PhysiVantage just like today's guest, Matt Fultz. Maybe that means soon I'll be yarding off of micro crimps just like him. Maybe not. At least my fingers will be healthy and strong so I can train harder. And if y'all are looking to train harder and climb stronger, check out all that PhysiVantage has to offer. Hit that link in your show notes or use checkout code STRUGGLE15 to save 15% off any full price nutrition order at PhysiVantage.com. And speaking of yarding off of micro holds, in this chat with Matt, he describes a hold on the V16 problem hypnotized minds as one of the most intense holds he's ever grabbed. It's a quarter pad pinch. I mean, it just boggles the mind to think about how somebody could grab and move off of a hold that thin. So you know Matt is serious about the chalk and the skin products that he uses. And it just so happens that he trusts one of our wonderful sponsors here at The Struggle, Friction Labs. Why is Friction Labs the best in the biz? Well, their chalk is clean and free from junk like fillers and rosin and drying agents, and that means it lasts longer and it keeps your skin healthy. Whether you're grabbing micro pinches like Matt or macro jugs like me, Friction Labs, y'all, has a chalk for you, including their long-lasting secret stuff, liquid chalk, which just seems to last forever. Yo, you can try Friction Labs risk-free and see for yourself. That is how psyched they are to help you guys level up your climbing. Enter code STRUGGLE20 at checkout for 20% off your first order. Chalk up less and climb more with Friction Labs. 
And a big shout out here to our friends over at Petzl for being the official gear sponsor here at The Struggle. You know, I'm starting to uh, put some send goes in on the fall projects now, which means I am looking for every advantage I can get, with one of those being my ultralight and ultra comfy Harundos harness by Petzl. Y'all, I love this harness. It's got this fuse frame technology, which means it is super light, it is super strong, and perhaps honestly, most importantly for me with my mental game, it just gives me total peace of mind as I pull some limit moves and take, uh, let's be honest, whip after whip after whip right now. If y'all are looking to level up your harness game, Petzl has a variety of options for different climbing styles and objectives. Check them all out at your local gear shop or swing on over to Petzl.com to access the inaccessible. All right, thank you for supporting the brands that support the struggle. That means a lot to me. And also to those patrons who are listening right now, thank you for directly supporting the struggle. I love you. If you're not a patron, stick around after the show and I'll tell you how you can score some swag and get access to all sorts of other cool stuff by being a patron. But for now, let's score the sit start and pull off the ground on this fantastic chat with Matt Foltz. Are we in o OTG World Headquarters right now? You are. <laughs> world Headquarters. That's awesome. You're in the Struggle Climbing Show World Headquarters, which is uh, a utility closet in my basement. So. <laughs> yeah, well, you're in my office, uh, sitting on my office couch. So. Very nice. So all which I is... see right now is is your, you know, you and in, in your couch. So I'm just going to try and picture your office. Um, probably a computer, <laughs> probably it. a desk, but like also like I just picture like a bunch of medieval torture devices of small edges and things that you just pull on while you're doing your your calls do you train while doing work i do not train while doing work although training is part of my work so i guess in in a sense i do uh, also you're not totally wrong there are two swords in this room oh shit me. So. <laughs> <laughs> i won't pull them out for you but i guess you know if it's a podcast why what's the what's up with the swords <laughs> uh so Haley, uh just did my my wife Haley. yeah i uh, just did some bodybuilding competitions and uh she won a couple of the divisions and i guess it's a thing in bodybuilding at those bigger comps they give out swords as uh award dude all you get for winning a boulder <laughs> comp is like a bag of protein powder i know dude i was like man boulder comps are doing it wrong I'd rather get paid in swords than cash. <laughs> totally. Yeah. This is exciting. We're already off to a great start. We're talking about swords. I don't have a good segue from swords to struggle, so I'll just do a bad segue, which is Matt Fultz. Welcome to the Struggle Climbing Show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I'm actually uh, more nervous today than I usually am when I do these things. I don't know why. Oh, well, don't be. You know, I mean, shit, you're the one with the sword. So, uh, <laughs> but, but really, man, I'm, I'm so, so excited to dive into this chat with you, man. I'm a huge fan. You climb crazy hard, obviously. You try really hard. You're incredibly thoughtful. And then by all accounts from every climber that I've talked to that's interacted with you, you are just like one of the nicest, most solid guys out there. And so um, I'm so psyched to have you. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Thank you for being here. And let's just dive in. I, I want to hear about struggle. That's why we're here. So let's open things up just generally on uh, this, this topic of struggle and how you view struggle through this lens of climbing. 
Sure. Well, first of all, thank you for the kind words. Um, so to me in climbing, I have thought about this a little bit and uh, struggle. I was kind of going back and forth, but ultimately uh, struggle is a, a blessing to me and in, in climbing and that it's actually what I'm seeking out. And I think that that point of view um, for a long time in climbing was actually kind of frowned upon hmm. and as, as or seen as like grade chasing. Uh, especially when uh, you're more of an outdoor oriented climber, like I am where, you know, uh, a lot of people's philosophy is more, you know, you want to be out enjoying the nature and enjoying the, the good rock and the movement and enjoying time being with friends where to me, I mean, that, that all is amazing. That's awesome. And it's supplemental to the process of piecing together a puzzle that's really challenging um, and that shapes me and that I need to learn and grow in order to achieve. Um, and so that's just kind of really what climbing is all about for me is, is struggle. You know, I, uh, and I've said before, this is controversial a little bit. Like I, I understand if it's not uh, everyone's philosophy, but there's something about everyone wants me to try uh, and a classic, amazing V2, or, you know, uh, this like, you know, go out and do this like amazing highball V3. And I'm like, it's not really going to spark the joy in me that like maybe just a dumpy, but hard boulder might, sure. you know? And again, like I totally get if that's not everyone's philosophy. And of course, like I'm going to seek out like the hard boulders that are also good. But to me, like a good boulder is also hard. Yeah. And where do you think that comes from? Like seeking out that struggle, seeking out the challenge more so than maybe even kind of the beautiful experience, right? Is it, is it, is it wondering if it will go or not? Yeah. Well, it comes from some experience. Um, I've, I've gone through that process before where I put in 20 or more sessions on a climb, but then come out with success, mm -hmm. uh, come out with at least lessons learned. Um, at best with Ascend um, that I'm very proud of and that I'll remember forever, uh, you know, and, and I can add to what I would consider, you know, as part of my legacy. And uh, that's something that's really important to me. And so that's, it's, it's really exactly the struggle is what I'm, I'm seeking out. That's what's attractive to me about climbing. And yeah, and then just the fact that boulder problems can shape you and change you uh, often for me, you know, into a better person. And that's ultimately what, it, what climbing is all about. Yeah, cool. I, I like that, man. I like your philosophy on that. All right. So let's dig deeper. Let's get into some training. Let's nerd out for a second here. Obviously training is an area of expertise for you. You run a coaching business and you seem to really enjoy training, which isn't always the case for, for some of the athletes that I've spoken with. So Let's start with struggle and where do you struggle personally with your training, Matt? Man, uh, lots of places. So I, I have lots of amazing climbing mentors that I've had through my life and that I've learned a lot from, but I've never had a formal climbing coach. And so a lot of what I've learned has been self-taught or... I've learned through experience or I've learned through reading books, uh, like books from Eric Horst, uh, who's been a great mentor to me. 
Uh, but yeah, I think, I mean, with, with that, I, I've been delayed in some places. Like I, I did that uh, clinic with Allison a couple weeks ago. I've coached a, a couple youth teams since then. And so I'll be coaching a kid and I'll give them, I'll give them a piece of advice and, you know, they might take it or brush it off or whatever. But I, I always want to be like, no, like, listen to this because it took me like 15 years to figure it out and I'm giving it to you now for free. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, what was that for you? Do you think like just looking back, what, what took you far longer to learn through the lens of training than kind of in hindsight feel like maybe could have come quicker had, had you been working with somebody? Yeah. So, I mean, part of it was I started climbing young and, uh, and I started climbing when, and I was dumb when I was young. And so what I thought was a good way to train for the competitions that I aspired to was going up and down and up and down and up and down the five nines and the five tens until I got pumped. Mm -hmm. Vertical terrain. And somehow I'm just never getting pumped going up and down, doing a hundred moves at a time on five nine. Somehow I'm just not getting pumped. So I don't think I can get pumped. I think I'm perfectly prepared. But then when you go to a competition and there's a a a, a 30 degree 513 set, it's it's gonna be very different feeling. And then I realized, oh, I definitely can get pumped. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and so I like I had to go through those kind of experiences of, oh, I was ill prepared for this competition and here's why. And I, and I had to go through that experience myself rather than having a coach there with me at every practice saying, uh, no, you know, preparing by doing hundreds of moves on a uh, low angle is not a great way, way to prepare for these sport climbing competitions. Like we need to increase the intensity, decrease the volume, and, you know, you need to prepare yourself to climb 513 on overhanging terrain. Yeah, like... These are connections that I didn't have and I had to build myself. I feel like that's incredibly common. I mean, for me, I didn't start training like really like focus training until just a couple of years ago. So in when I was 40, I always thought going to the gym and just kind of like, like I would end each session with just like up downs on an auto belay until like you know, it was boxing gloves and I couldn't hold on to the jugs of jugs and I would get into the car and I'd be like, hell yeah, great training today. And then, <laughs> and then when like I really started training after I talked to like Eric Hurst, for example, you know, it was like complete polar opposite. It was all a focus on like max strength and power and it was like way less volume, but it just feels like in the moment you kind of feel like it, like just cause you're just trashing yourself. And so you feel like, Oh, I did something really good. Um, obviously you recognized at some point in time that there was a better way to do it and you've been doing it for quite some time. So kind of bring yourself current as Matt Fultz elite climber. One would assume that your training is completely dialed and maybe it is, but, um, there could still be some struggle in there. Is there anything that you struggle with these days? Uh, it's, fairly dialed but yeah of course there's struggle um you know i'm I, i'm in that habit of continuing to learn and educate myself and i can plan as well as i want you know a full cycle for a th full three month cycle every day is planned specifically but i know that there's going to be days where um, my skin sucks and i just have no energy 
um, or I'm feeling like tweaky, like if I'm going to overdo it on the volume, I'm going to get injured. And uh, that's definitely obviously something I want to avoid. So a good training program for myself is one that's flexible, one that I can move around and, and it's adjustable day to day. And, and I, I do prefer to, to train kind of intuitively and based on feel in that way where I might have a really intense plan for tomorrow, but, I, but I'm wrecked today. So I know that needs to be a rest day. And just also having that grace with myself sometimes is hard to, to take rest days mm-hmm. and understand that that's contributing to, to sins in the future and that those are equally as important as the training days. So yeah, sometimes hard to have that grace with myself. Yeah, how do you look at rest? Has your concept of rest or what your body requires, has that evolved over the years? Me personally, I, I go through usually during a cycle, I'll go two or three days on rest day, two or three days on rest day. Um, but I've done cycles and, and I've experimented with uh, six days on with a rest day. Wow. Of course, you know, those are varied. I'm not just board projecting all six days and then resting. You know, I'm doing a, a variety of workouts. And just as an experiment for myself to see um, what kind of adaptations I can make from doing something like that. Uh, but really uh, kind of what I found that works for me most generally is uh, two or three days on rest day, two or three days on rest day. And really where that uh, variation comes in is uh, if I take that third day or if that needs to be the rest day. What about sleep? Do you have a, a philosophy on sleep? Man, I've struggled with sleep quite a bit the last few years. Mm. Uh, and I think it was purely like performance, anxiety, you know, nervous about a competition, nervous about uh, a project, you know, if I'm giving project attempts and I've done several things to, to work on that, but I, sleep is, is, uh, paramount. It's, uh, you know, like hugely important. And so I know that that is something that I've needed to work on and I have, I have worked on quite a bit, but that's certainly, it's definitely still a struggle. Yeah, for me too. I think for probably a lot of people listening right now. I'm I'm curious to peel back a little bit on that. If you have any tips on what you found for yourself to be productive in getting better sleep or more consistent sleep. Sure. Honestly, uh, putting the phone down has been a huge deal for me. Uh, you know, I I just just like most other people, I can get into that loop where I'm just swiping through Instagram. Swiping through Facebook, sure. watching YouTube uh, late at night, you know, when, you know, when I'm done with work, done with climbing and I'm just laying there in bed late at night, midnight, 1, 1 a.m. comes around and I'm just, I, I need to just put that phone down and go to sleep. Yeah. That's been big. Um, things like meditation a little bit and just just trying to relax and, and make sure that I have like a relaxing evening. That That's also been huge for me. Uh, and then uh, nutrition and nu- nutrition timing uh, has been one of the bigger things as well. Because I think I was just eating too late, um, which was keeping me up. Dude, you're helping yeah. me out here. This is perfect because my the segue that I'm looking for right now is how to get us over to nutrition. And you've just done it. So thank you. Let's talk about nutrition here. And 
first, before we dive into tips and tricks and what's working for you, first, where uh, have you struggled with your nutrition, Matt? Well, to me and, and Haley, our philosophy is 100% nutrition is training. Uh, so those are like very much linked. Uh, so a, a similar um, struggle for me was not having a nutrition coach or nutrition mentors to to kind of guide me through that. You know, nutrition is so hugely important for recovery. And I understood that principle of recovery and fueling. I understood those things, but I didn't know about the best way to go about it. So luckily, you know, for me, I, I've never struggled with disordered eating, but uh, it, it's certainly, you know, an aspect that, well, I, I see myself in photos next to other great climbers that I admire and I, I notice that I'm bigger than them, mm-hmm. you know, or like up on a podium and I, I look kind of out of place because I'm like a large human. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, but I've, I've kind of reframed that to, you know, it, it being more of like a superpower, being a little bit differently shaped. Um, so it's lucky for me that I've never struggled with disordered eating. And I know that it's something that I want to pass on, uh, and be a good example of, um, in that, like fueling, it's so important for fueling and recovery, uh, to get those macros in. And Haley's been, my wife, Haley is a nutritionist and she's been such a huge part of that for me. She's now my nutrition coach. And she does nutrition coaching as well for uh, OTG. Uh, all sorts of stuff to dive in here. For, first, because we're talking about Haley, uh, your wife, who is a nutritionist and a badass bodybuilder. So she walks the talk as well. And w- what's that like? Um, you know, you've got a live-in nutritionist. I imagine there's probably more pros than cons, but it may be hard for you to sneak a bunch of junk food into the cupboards as well. So... Uh, maybe, you know, tell us a little bit about what it's been like working with Haley on the nutrition side. Sure. Yeah, well, it, you know, it's uh, it's been awesome to see, and I wish everyone could see it because Haley, in competition season, she has a pretty ideal uh, body composition that I think a lot of people would aspire to. She, you know, she might look like she just like doesn't eat or isn't eating enough. They get very lean. Right. Extremely lean athletes and but i've seen it i've seen the behind the scenes where you know Haley's at a family gathering and maybe it's not the ideal time but she's like cracking open that meal in, in her container and and like nope this is my this is timing like i need to eat this meal and so she's like sitting there eating and uh yeah i just feel like more people even even sometimes when she doesn't feel like eating well she, her goal is to hit this these macros mm-hmm. she needs you know as many fats as many carbs as uh, much protein um and this many calories in her day and that's her goal is to hit that so if she's below she hasn't hit her goal you know and then it, of course if she goes beyond she hasn't hit her goal right Equally important, though, equally weighted, either under or over, you're, you're still missing it. Exactly. And I think a lot of climbers have the mentality that, like, not the goal is to just be less. Right. 
uh, when really the goal is to be like spot on. And that's Haley's uh, job and she's done a great job with me and, and with all of our clients. And so for you then personally, are you pretty steady throughout the year or is there like a building and a cutting phase or, or how much, you know, how much variance is there in your body composition and, and how is that informed by the, the nutrition that you're programming? So um, generally in a training cycle, I, I uh, try to gain maybe two or three hmm. percent of body weight uh, just to have, you know, that little make sure that I'm hitting those caloric uh, goals. And then that that's going to give me that extra energy and that extra recovery for the next training set, uh, session. Uh, and then p before a, a performance cycle, so we're coming into fall now, so I'm doing just a little easy, nice, easy cut into it, you know, maybe just dropping, like I said, about 2% body fat or body weight. And, um, and so totals. what does that look like? Is that like X amount of calories a day you start to peel back or uh, practically speaking, how do you, how do you measure that or how do you perform to that? Yes. Yeah. So I, I keep protein the same. Um, but usually we, we start, we start cutting fat. Got it. So like, like I said, it's barely much of a diet change at all. Yeah. And, and, and I'm not really changing food either. I'm not, uh, I, I have a good variety in what I eat, but yeah, generally I'm not switching everything up between a performance cycle and a, and a training cycle. Generally things stay the same. Like I kind of know what I like and I, and I know how my body works with certain foods. So, uh, yeah, we try to stick with those. And so a couple percent, that's just like a few pounds, right? For me, it's three or four pounds. Okay, three or four pounds. So that's not a lot, right? So we're talking about like very, very minor fine tuning. You're not trying to drop 15 pounds before you go out and, and get on the project. I yeah, I also don't weigh myself every day. So that's, you know, it's so it's it's very negligible. Sure. I should say. Yes. I'll weigh myself a couple times a cycle, probably. So one thing that um, I meant to touch on in the training section, so we can kind of touch on it here as like dual training slash nutrition, and that's injury. And yes. you've dealt with some injury in the not too distant past even. Was it when you were hip, um, working on hypnotized minds? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, on hypnotized minds, I, uh, I um, tore my A2 pulley and my index finger. That's right. So first, let's look at it through the training lens, if we could, and then we can we can shift over to nutrition. When something like that happens, um, and that's a, although not an uncommon injury for for climbers who are trying very hard, it can be pretty friggin' discouraging, and and it can set you back for a bit. Through the lens of training, was there anything that you could have done? Do you think to have maybe avoided the injury? Then following up on that, what did you do? to try to recover as quickly as, as possible? Um, I don't know about training. If there was anything I could have, could have done to avoid it, I think it was more tactical. Mm -hmm. uh, I was trying, I, hypnotized minds has such intense holds on it that I think I tried it too many times uh, in such a short amount, in just a short period of time that um, it just put too much stress on that one joint and it, can you describe that move or, or just kind of the nature of that that sequence there? Yeah, sure. So uh, hypnotized minds is uh, extremely crampy on on a, a about a thirty degree face, and um, it has one of the most intense holds I've ever grabbed, which is this like perfect 
um, pinch that's maybe a fourth of a pad uh, with, a, with a, a little nub for a thumb catch, but just a perfect mini pinch. Um, and it, you can't really compromise on how you grab it. Mm -hmm. You can't hang on your skin. I can't like grab it a different way so that it, it doesn't put as much stress on a certain joint or, um, you know, and it's going to hit in the same spots on my skin. Uh, otherwise I'm not going to be able to do the move. Mm -hmm. So like if I'm not grabbing that hold perfect, I'm not doing the move anyway. So just that repeated, repeated stress on that joint. And then going back, you know, the, the third or fourth time that week uh, was kind of like, I don't think that there was any training I could have done to avoid that. It was just, I probably shouldn't have <laughs> tried it that much. And did, did you feel like in hindsight, did you feel like tweaky or fatigue or, or was it a surprise? No, that one was, so I've had three finger injuries in my career and that one was different in that it wasn't me just trying to climb through like a tweaky finger mm -hmm. and then it finally popping. It was one that was kind of just felt fine. And then instantly it was not fine. Wow. So yeah, hard to see. Didn't see that one coming. Brutal. What's your philosophy on training through pain? You know, when do you start loading um, the, the injured finger? Yeah, it's all about load management. Um, so I, I kind of... I kind of make a habit to, or not a habit, but the last the last two times I got a finger injury, I I made sure I was in the gym the next day, hmm. uh, not climbing, um, but I was gonna go in and I'm gonna do some strength training, you know, like because I'm it like freaking sucks and I'm freaking depressed, but um, I it's not like the end because I feel like mentally I can get to that point where it's like. Like, this is like the end of my career. I'm, I'm like, I'm 30. It's over. <laughs> right. It gets, <laughs> like, it gets dark. Yeah. But I, I definitely want to, it's important to me to make sure that I get in the gym the next day and I am not load, not loading the finger, but you know, I'm doing my strength training um, and I'm doing what I can. What about supplements? Do you do protein, collagen, um, pre-workouts? Like what, what do you like to use? What's effective for you? Yeah, I do like to use supplements. Um, I use uh, Indurex, um, uh, Fizz Vantage, a little shout out. Yeah, Indurex and collagen uh, at the same time. Usually try to do that 30 minutes to an hour before climbing uh, or doing a hangboard workout. And that's really kind of moved the needle for me on my finger strength and, and finger durability as well. So, uh, that's really been helpful. Um, I do, and then just simple stuff, multivitamin every morning. I do, uh, whey protein, um, and whatever I can, if I'm having like oatmeal or something. I think whey protein goes into the pancakes as well. Yeah, yeah, the, the power pancakes. How how much protein do you yeah. aim for in a day? Yeah, right now I'm I'm uh, a, about a gram a pound, uh, a bit over, uh, and kind of aiming for that like 180 to 190 grams range. So I'm a little bit higher on the protein, mm -hmm. um, but I, I think just generally the one gram per pound is a pretty good place to be. Kind of a good general rule. That's great. It's easy for me to remember. All right, Matt, let's dive into tactics or at least dive more into tactics. Of course, we touched on it a little bit there at the end of the nutrition chapter as we were discussing finger injury and 
tactically speaking, you brought up some areas of, of learning. Um, and I want to learn more about that. But first, let's keep it broad. You're a super thoughtful climber. I think tactics is an area of strength for you. And I'm curious where you struggle, tactically speaking. Um, man, this is a really tough one for me because I feel like tactics can change so much depending on this specific route or boulder that you're on. And so every every new boulder and every new route really presents a new struggle, yeah. a new tactical struggle. And a lot of the puzzle is just figuring out which which tactics are going to work for this one and which ones aren't. Yeah, so let's get specific then. Let's talk about some projects. I, you know, just recently I was looking back at some of the things that you've been working on and Return of the Sleepwalker was uh, a boulder that you've put some time in. Of course, um, Daniel Woods put that up, V17, not an easy uh, climb, perhaps the hardest in the world. And it looked like you were working on it in what seemed to be very suboptimal conditions, like hot, like, I don't know, 80, 80 plus degrees, humid. And I've seen that on some of your other videos as well, where you're hauling fans in and, and not, you know, typically you would see somebody sitting in snow getting on these micro edges to optimize the friction on the rock. And here you are like sweating it out in a Utah cave or out in the desert. And I'm curious, tactically speaking, you know, what goes into that? Because rock climbers are just always obsessing, it seems like, about condies and, and temps and humidity and this kind of thing. And here I've seen you working on some of the hardest rigs in the world in what appear to be not great conditions. But is there a strategy to that? Yeah. So, yeah, this this last um, uh, winter into spring were some of my worst, <laughs> had some of my worst tactical decisions. Uh, so it's, it's, it's funny <laughs> that you brought that up, but... Yeah, um, I'm I'm an optimist, you know, for better or worse. Like, I I've done hard problems in the heat before, so I've convinced myself that I can do hard problems in the heat, uh, and so I, I'll go out there and I'll try them. I just didn't really time that very well with Return of the Sleepwalker this last spring because, um, you know, I I had come off that finger injury, felt pretty strong, but felt like. I could use like that extra month of training. Like I could really use that extra month training, feeling good, and then go to Sleepwalker when it's a little warmer. Uh, and that just didn't really work out for me. I think that it would have been a little bit better to go sooner in better conditions uh, than later feeling stronger, but in much worse conditions. So is there a benefit to to working on something in suboptimal conditions? There's two. I think there's a couple of reasons for that. I I take a really long time, I think, on projects. I just have to take my time. Um, and so something like Grand Illusion that you mentioned, I actually started trying it preseason. Uh, I like had to like dig it out. I had to freaking trudge through snow to get up there. Yeah, that's a hike. And <laughs> yeah, and that's how I started trying it, you know. And then tried it kind of through the spring. Is like it got really nice and in perfect conditions, but uh, still working it out. Uh, still finding the little efficiencies where I can be, where I can climb it a little bit better, a little bit better. And then of course, and then it starts getting hot. And so uh, as I'm getting closer, it's getting warmer. I'm feeling some time pressure, but 
Um, but then tactically, you know, you start going out at night instead of the middle of the day, you start bringing your fans, <laughs> uh, you start bringing your, your, you know, your liquid chalk and, and, uh, and going at it from that angle. And so, and then, yeah, second, I do think there is a benefit to trying problems, especially long-term projects in, uh, not ideal conditions, you know, not always, if I could have my way, it would be incredible conditions all the time. Uh, but I think there are still lessons to learn and, and, uh, things to glean from trying problems when they're not ready. I, I don't mind going to a project just to learn and without that full intention of like going to send, I I'm okay with going to learn. And, you know, I don't like keeping track of how many days I've put in on a project. You know, I feel, I think I've said before that like I, I feel like people would think I suck if they knew how much time I how many days I actually put in on these problems, like um and how much effort it actually takes me. But it does. It like takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of effort. Like I just said about Grand Illusion, it took like the whole season, preseason to postseason to to be able to get it done. Yeah, I'm just so impressed with how you stick with these projects. And, and through a tactical lens, I want to dive into that a little bit more because I think that's been a bit of a common theme between just myself and my friends. A lot of people I hear from on Instagram is that, you know, often people are like, I don't know if I know how to project or this was my biggest project ever. I put five days in on it. And and for people like myself that are a weekend warrior, five days on something might be a couple of months, to be honest. So, you know, to each their own, it's all scalable. But to see you put in this incremental effort and maybe two steps forward, one step back, Grand Illusion is a great example. Maybe let's just stick with that for a second. I want to understand from you how you tactically look at a project like that and whether you give yourself time blocks or little kind of signposts along the way to show that you're you're making this progress or what does a win look like for you if it's not just topping out the boulder sure um yeah so like with grand illusion specifically that that was a big uh tactical breakthrough for me it was i kind of figured out that pacing was more important to me than uh precision so i knew that i needed to move a little bit faster through the sequences in order to get through it. And I had to just be okay with not hitting every hold exactly right. And so, yeah, that was just a, a nice tactical breakthrough for me that I um, have brought into other projects. Uh, as far as spending, you know, days and days on on a climb and, and possibly like regressing before I progress, uh, that really just comes from experience. Like I, if it if it never worked, I wouldn't do it. So the fact that I have been through that process before multiple times where I've tried to climb and, you know, maybe I got close on it my like first couple sessions. I've had a project like that this week or not this week, uh, a few months ago, um, this this year uh, where I thought I was going to do it first session. And then second session rolls around, I get a little closer, maybe some progress and learn a few things. Okay, well, I'm going to do it third session. Third session rolls around and, and I'm kind of stuck. And then fourth and then fifth and then sixth. And, you know, now I'm into the double digit sessions and I, I don't feel like I've progressed or, or learned much, you know, that was new. 
But I keep going back because I've done that before and that and it's ended up with ascend and with success and with celebration. So um, I know that it's possible, but I think that I had to go through that process. Otherwise, I'd just feel crazy and stupid. All right, Matt, we are now campusing our way into the mental game chapter. And uh, again, you gave me a perfect segue because we were kind of wrapping up tactics there, uh, talking about projecting and these super long-term projects. And um, I think it was really cool what you were saying about how, you know, it sometimes you, you could feel discouraged or even wonder if it was crazy or stupid to continue to come back again and again and again to a project. But the reason you do is because you found it to work. And so success is in in effect the mental lubricant that allows you to come back and know that even if it's taking a long time, even if it feels like you might even be going backwards, ultimately it will end up with a send or at least that's been your experience so far. So that's a huge shift into the mental chapter here. And I think it applies to all of us, regardless of the grade that we're climbing. So before we dive a little bit more into that specifically, let's just zoom out. Let's look at mindset in general. And what are your thoughts on that? Uh, where have you struggled with your mental game? Oh, <laughs> too much of the mental game is a struggle. Uh, yeah, so... To me, you know, we, we've, we've talked about injuries a bit, and that's got to be the hardest uh, mental battles that I've gone through. Um, and not just because it sucks to be injured, because, and it definitely does, but also because I have um, companies that, that trust me and support me. And, you know, I, I feel like I represent some incredible companies. and. I want to honor their commitment to me um, by being productive and 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 giving them, you know, the media that they are hoping for, and just kind of being a good example. And I feel like I can't do that as well from the sidelines. So mentally, that's definitely a big place that I've struggled um, is just trying to separate. Uh, those things from like, just because I can't go out rock climbing right now doesn't mean I'm not like a productive person or like a productive member of society or that um, these amazing friends that I've made in the industry are just going to like forget about me or, you know, things right. like that. And I just like reminders of that sometimes. Yeah, I I'm curious how you personally work through that because you know though most of us listening right now are not sponsored athletes i think we often do still put a lot of pressure on ourselves maybe it's you know our friends sent the project that we've been working on together and we haven't sent it yet and you know now it's just like how many more days is it going to take me than that person or i've only got three more good weeks of weather before the snow comes in and ends the season at the red. And, you know, we put pressure on ourselves for any number of reasons, whether livelihood d depends on it or not. Yours may be a little bit more acute because your career is, is so specifically tied to it. But um, even us weekend warriors can have that fear of failure, if you will. And sure. what have you found that, that that's helped when you're going out to try to clear some of that pressure, clear some of that anxiety and just focus on the task at hand, focus on the rock that's right in front of you. 
Yeah. Well, part of it is I, I kind of use a strategy that like uh, a lot of the people that I know and I love the most don't give a shit um, if I if I send this problem or not. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like, um, you know, my nieces and nephews, uh, I, I absolutely love to death. If I told them that I, hey, I just sent my project, they probably wouldn't care. Right. You know, I want to play tag. So um, I kind of have to, I, 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 I always keep them, my, my nieces and nephews specifically in the back of my mind because uh, they're people that are uh, totally unimpressed <laughs> with the way that I climb, but they're more impressed with the, uh, the person I am and like the, the, uh, person I can be for them, uh, playing around and being silly. And, uh, so, uh, you know, that, that seems to take the pressure off me a bit of like, it's more of like a disconnect of like, I am not my, I'm not my climbing. Um, I am like a distinct human being that loves to climb. And so, uh, that takes a bit of that pressure off. And so that I can start to enjoy the experience a bit more i like that man that's that's great perspective kids always have a good way of just kind of like taking us down a peg so uh that's nice <laughs> my my kids definitely do not care if i send the proj as long as uh, they get to come out and swing on the rope a little bit while i'm out there all right buddy we're topping out here into the purpose focused chapter of our conversation. This has been awesome, man. I'm really having a lot of fun with this. I definitely want to dive into OTG, off the ground strength, which is, of course, the one-to-one coaching business that you and Haley run. You're helping athletes level up. Uh, It's really exciting. Of course, we've talked about that throughout this chat. So um, I want to talk about anything and everything that brings you passion and purpose beyond your own personal rock climbing. But I think starting with OTG is a good place. Yeah, so uh, Haley and I uh, work together, and uh, you know she is focused on coaching our clients through their nutrition journey, and I'm focused on coaching our clients through their training journey. And we work in tandem, so Haley knows when, uh, you know, what their schedules are like, so we know when they're going through a training cycle versus when they're in a performance cycle, and their nutrition is going to be a little different between those two. Uh, so that's, yeah, that's a big thing. Uh, we, we use an app, a, a, a tr- the true coach app. And so they, you know, get their workouts every day. They, they know what they're, they need to do. They go in to the gym or into their home gym or whatever, uh, tick those boxes and, you know, it takes that, that stress out of planning your own programming out. This is what young Matt Fultz really needed. Instead of going up and down the vert five, nine for, you know, a hundred <laughs> moves, you just needed somebody to send you an app to your phone, which of course there weren't phones that had apps. I don't think back when, yes. when you're doing it, but at least people can do that now. So is it all, um, customized to, to each client? Right. So, um, there, there are a couple different options. Uh, there's one, uh, option that's kind of just uh, more generalized. It has uh, climbing intervals, hangboarding, movement work, things like that. And I've written, you know, a co- like two or three years of worth of workouts. And then I'll go in based on their test week and what I know about their climbing. And I'll change some things like the movement drills will be more specific for them. Uh, and then the more expensive package is our Apex plan. And uh, that's where it comes with the nutrition. And then I'm like sitting down and writing your program from scratch. Day after day, you're getting it written down and you know that 
And, you know, you know, you're going to have like, I, I wrote that specifically for Ryan Devlin and, um, and with all the, you know, any grammatical errors and everything that go with it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, this sounds awesome. Uh, I think, I think taking the guesswork out of training is like one of the greatest things anybody can do for themselves. I, I you know, I was just lost forever and then just happened to run into Eric Hurst at the red one day and we just kind of got to chatting and then I reached out to him subsequently and this was during the pandemic and I was like, Hey, like, could I just book a coaching session with you on zoom? And I think he just took pity on me. Um, and I, because he surely had, you know, far more uh, important people to be talking to than myself, but we talked for a little bit and just in talking with him for a little bit and getting his insight and a little bit of a focus on plan, you know, it really changed everything. It changed the trajectory of my training and my climbing and, I've gotten much more specific now about how I do it. Um, so I think, you know, for people who are listening, it's just a really critical step you can take is to whether you, you know, stick with it for five years or five months, you know, it just starts to set a habit, starts to set an understanding about how to program training. And um, it sounds like you've got a really cool thing going there. Plus the the added element of Haley doing nutrition that's really great, man. I haven't seen anything like that out there. Um, I love that you look at nutrition as training and, you know, the one goes with the other. So I'm sure you two are consulting and you're saying, here's the training plan that I've got for this client. And she's like, okay, well, this is how I'm going to support that, you know, with the nutritional element. Um, how do folks work with you if they want to? Where can they find OTG? Yeah, great. Uh, so you can apply at otgstrength.com. Um, yeah, you can fill out an assessment. We do often have a waiting list, um, but uh, actually right now we don't. Uh, right now at this moment, we do not. So you typically we'll fill out an assessment that'll get emailed directly to me. I'll read through it and respond and I'll either get you on the roster or get you on the waiting list, uh, depending on where we're at. Right on, man. So yeah, it's just been something that's been so nice because for a while, like I... I remember just telling Haley, like, man, I wish I had something like this, you know, where I wish I had like a coach that could, that could show me these things. And then like a nutrition coach that should, should, could show me these things. And I'm like, you know what, let's just make it because, <laughs> you know, if I'm seeing this gap in, in a place that if I know that if I want it, then a lot of people might also want it. So yeah, um, it's been a really big blessing for us, and and hopefully it's been a great blessing for other people as well. Yeah, I bet it's been incredibly rewarding for you and Haley to work with clients and help them to achieve their goals and their dreams. What is that like when it, somebody sets a you know they want to they want to hit a new sport grade, they want to hit a new boulder, they've got a trip coming up, you're working with them, and and then. I'm assuming you have stories where they've gone out and they've achieved or maybe gone gone beyond. What What is that like for you and Haley as you're working with these folks? Dude, it feels like I sent it. Yeah. <laughs> Such a good feeling. Yeah. When, when I get like, you know, a, a message saying thank you and uh, with the send footage attached, man, that's like a, a highlight of the day every time. That's so great, man. Well, what's next for you? We're coming up uh, as we're recording this. We're we're pushing into the fall season here. What are your plans? What are your goals? Yeah, fall temps are coming up, and I'm uh, I'm, I'm feeling really strong right now. I, I just had a really long training cycle, and so um, I'm I'm gonna need some time. I know to adapt to uh, to climbing on stone again, 
But yeah, I'm going to be going to Joe's Valley really soon to work on a couple projects there. Uh, and I'm really excited about that. And then Tahoe. I haven't spent that much time climbing in Tahoe in California, but uh, there's such some absolutely incredible, sick boulder problems. Uh, I'm really excited to try this fall into winter. What about what about getting on a rope? Can can this trad dad get you on a rope at some point in time? Uh, I mean, I'm more of a sport dad these days, but do you do you know how to put a harness on? I have, yeah, I can put a harness on. Yeah, I've done that uh, to take weight off for my hangs. That's right. So. <laughs> no, I, uh, dude, I love sport climbing. I, I just, uh, I don't do it so often, um, but I'd love to get more into it. I've never climbed 515. That's been my, that's been like a goal for a really long time. But um, yeah, 14 Ds is, is my best. So we don't have too many in America, but uh, it would be kind of, that would be kind of the next big like benchmark goal as far as sport climbing goes is to find one and just like put my head down and and start trying that yeah 9a is not not too bad of a of a grade to just kind of be chilling out at right now uh matt and you know some more 15s kind of coming into the works here with the likes of uh joe kinder and jonathan segrist out there putting up some pretty sick lines right lately uh um maybe jumbo love's got your name on it just skipped right to 15b Oh, <laughs> maybe there's way too many moves. That's a lot of moves. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking for like a 15. That's technically not a boulder problem. Right, right. <laughs> it could be a high ball, but like as long as there's one bolt on it, you're good. Uh, exactly. That's what I'm looking for. Cool, man. Well, I cannot wait to see where you go this season and beyond. I'm grateful that you took the time to join us here on The Struggle, man. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Ryan. And that, my friends, wraps up our chat with the crimp-grabbing, sword-wielding, bespectacled Matt Fultz. What did you all think of this combo? Let us know. You can find us on Instagram, at Matt underscore Fultz, at Ryan Devlin Outside, and at The Struggle Climbing Show. Now, in a second, I'm going to hit you with my takeaways and hook you up with some swag. But first, let's support the brands that are supporting The Struggle. I love these guys. Shout out to Fizzy Vantage for being the official climbing nutrition sponsor of The Struggle. Try their supercharged collagen, y'all. If it works for what Matt Fultz is putting his fingers and skin through, it's probably going to work for you. I love this stuff, as I do all of their science-backed products. Look for it in Europe from the Epic TV online shop and here in the U.S. at select gyms and, of course, at fizzyvantage.com. Hit that link in your show notes or use code STRUGGLE15 at checkout for 15% off. Also, be sure to check out Friction Labs, y'all. It's what top athletes, including today's Crusher guest, Matt Fultz, are using for dependable, long-lasting grip. My personal favorite is their Gorilla Grip. Matt loves the super chunky Bam Bam. Doesn't surprise me. With fingers as strong as his, he must crush chunks of chalk. But you know what? They got a flavor for everybody. So pop on over to frictionlabs.com and check it all out. Use code STRUGGLE20 for 20% off your first order. Chalk up less, climb more with Friction Labs. And y'all, the psych is high for the ultra light, ultra strong, and ultra comfy Harundos Harness by Petzl. Swing by your local gear shop and just try one on. You're gonna feel the difference just like I have on my fall projects. It's awesome. Access the inaccessible at petzl.com. Oh man, so many takeaways from this chat. First, um, let me focus on just the value of having a sound coach or some guidance or some sort of plan when it comes to putting together 
a training and nutrition strategy. Matt obviously cited this as his top struggle as he looked back at his earlier days of training and tactics. And fortunately, now there are loads of great resources for all of us. I mean, Matt and I talked about Eric Hurst on there. There's a ton of resources that he has. I mean, hell, Matt himself has a coaching business that is amazing. And if you're lucky, you could just have Matt Fultz as your coach. So check that out if you want. That would be incredibly rad. Um, what else? Oh, I'm just super inspired by Matt's long lens as it comes to projecting. I mean, perhaps spending months or, or even multiple seasons dialing in just a few moves. I get antsy if I haven't sent a project after like five attempts. And of course, I'm recognizing that that's just like not the right perspective to have. I, I want to have a little bit more patience and a little bit more of that longer lens like Matt does. Finding joy in the work and reward in incremental progress, that seems like a real key to limit projecting. I love it. All right, that clips the anchors on this episode. So much love and so many kisses mwah, 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 to all the new patrons out there. Y'all, I'm so grateful for your support as I just am like hustling away here in the podcast slash utility closet to bring y'all some content that I hope you find valuable and enjoyable. And if you do feel that way, and of course, if you're in a position to support, pop on over to patreon.com slash the struggle climbing show to check out some of the tiers and the perks that we have. We've got a level for anybody and we got some cool stuff, stickers and can koozies, access to pro clinics and ad free episodes, loads more. I'm going to hook you up for supporting me and the hardworking climbers who are putting these shows together each week. Check it all out. Thank you. I love you. And speaking of stickers, if you have room for just one more on your Nalgene or your stick clip, I will be happy to send you one free of charge. I actually just mailed a sticker to someone in Australia and I think it cost me like $15. I am terrible with my money, y'all. So if you want a sticker that costs you nothing and could potentially put me into bankruptcy, simply rate and review the show wherever you listen and then just tag me as you post a shot of that review on Instagram and I will slide into your DMs and hook you up with a super expensive yet free sticker. The Struggle's a proud member of the Plugtone Audio Collective and is carbon neutral in partnership with Honnold Foundation. This show was hosted and produced by me, Ryan Devlin. Remember, the struggle makes us stronger. I hope you guys are doing great out there. Let's climb hard and do good things in the world.